welcome to the weekly wrap podcast by the National Farmers Federation. Here's this week's update. Hello and welcome to the weekly wrap podcast. I'm Stacey Davidson, Media and Communications Coordinator at the National Farmers Federation. In a moment, I'm going to throw to my colleague, Charlie Thomas, who's going to catch up with Michelle Gorton, who is the CEO at MatDoc Foundation. She's part of the agricultural delegation heading to Egypt next week for COP27. But first, let's look at what was making news in agriculture. Farmers and small business had a win this week after Parliament strengthened competition laws, which will see companies who use their market power to subject farmers to unfair contract terms now face new and tougher penalties. Businesses will have 12 months to update their standard form contracts before the penalties apply. It was a double win for farmers and bush communities this week as a two-pronged federal funding announcement provided $30 million to help farmers adopt ag tech through the on-farm connectivity program. There was another $6 million to expand the regional tech hub. The funding for the NFF-led regional tech hub will widen the scope to support regional communities with connectivity issues. The dairy industry has been hit with a double blow, with escalating energy prices expected to see some dairy farmers walk away from the industry. Meanwhile, some dairy farmers in New South Wales have been dumping milk after flooding cut off fickle access to properties. Experts say we aren't even close to paying the true price of producing food and recent food crises associated with war and natural disasters showed just how vulnerable food systems were to shocks. A recent study claims the environment is subsidising global food production by $3 trillion. And while passing on true costs would be catastrophic for consumers, eventually someone must pay. Being born and raised on the land didn't lead to any free passes for Angie Nisbet, the daughter of Jim and Terry Lindsay, who are known for their approach to stock handling. Forging her own path as a stockwoman and grazier hasn't come easy for Angie, who runs Lansborough Downs near Hugendon in Queensland. She's had to work tirelessly and prove a lot of people wrong. Well, thank you for listening to the news headlines. I'm now going to pass you over to Charlie and Michelle. Michelle Gordon, welcome to the Weekly Wrap podcast. Lovely to have you on here today. So nice to be here with you, Charles. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. So Michelle is the CEO of the MacDoc Foundation, a philanthropic organisation behind the Farming for the Future program. Michelle, why don't we start there? Can you tell us a bit about your role and, and the MacDoc Foundation and Farming for the Future and what that program hopes to achieve? Sure. So we are a philanthropic foundation and we fund uh, a number of things. Um, our purpose is to build the resilience of people and the planet and we work in three main areas. Um, regenerating natural and productive landscapes, climate change and healthy communities. And one of our flagship programs is Farming for the Future, which we are very proud to be delivering in partnership with the National Farmers Federation and various other philanthropists and industry bodies like MLA and AWI um, and various NGO partners like Bush Heritage and La Trobe University in the NRM region. So we're building a big coalition of partners to, to deliver what is a really ambitious project. Um, and Charles, effectively what it's trying to do is trying to 
um, try to reveal, I suppose, the relationship that natural resources or natural capital, which is what we refer to natural resources in this project as, what is the relationship and the contribution that natural capital makes to farm business performance? So we've always known that farmers are amazing stewards of their natural resources, they manage them to the best of their ability, but they've never really had the kind of clear visibility and line of sight of what is it actually contributing to the bottom line. And so what we're trying to do is make visible and quantifiable elements of natural capital and how they impact a farm's business performance. So it might be levels of profitability or productivity or, you know, farmer wellbeing even, or things like, you know, how to better manage for risk and, and build in resilience in a business. So it's really about how do we integrate natural capital into farm business decision making to help a producer and working closely with their advisor to achieve their goals. So it's almost like expanding the tool set of information that a farmer and their, and their advisor has when they're just trying to optimise their operations. And so what does that look like in practice at the moment? I'm seeing you going around sort of working with individual farm businesses to do some of this measurement right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. So to reveal this, this relationship, you know, we need a really robust and large scale sample. So we're aiming uh, in the next sort of well, we've been underway for a while, but by by sort of July next year, we want to um, have collected data from about 150 farms. Um, so that is a combination of uh, sourcing financial and operational data backcasted for about five years, and then integrating that with uh, fine scale ecological measures on farm. So and, and 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 with some remote sensing as well. So we've got ecologists out there working with farmers and producers, taking measures. We're looking at anything between. 30 and 40 ecological measures and then our eco uh, econometric statisticians kind of work together to kind of integrate all of that information and hopefully we'll pop out a story that starts to give us inklings about um, what is this relationship and once we get through to uh, once we have this kind of early sample set we'll then scale up to 400 farms and at 400 farms we really start to get some robust uh, statistically significant information that is pretty reliable. So we'll have a really good sense then about, you know, for different types of enterprises and operations, you know, what is the, the relationship between natural capital and farm business performance? Uh, and then the ultimate goal is that we sort of scale all the way up to 1500 farms. Again, just kind of building out that statistical significance and reliability in the information because you know, we think it's really important that we have a, a data set and evidence base that farmers can trust, you know, and the industry can trust and rely on to sort of help shift their own decision making, their how they might resource extension services from now on, how to make investments into a kind of sector that is growing its capability around natural capital. So at that level, and even before then, I think of 400 farms, it, this will be the biggest study of farm businesses ever done in the OECD. So it's pretty exciting. It's such a significant project and so relevant to what we're going to talk about um, in the rest of this session. So we want to unpack the COP uh, meeting, which is happening next week in Egypt. Yeah. So, Michelle, you're heading along as part of a delegation of Australian farming and forestry leaders, um, you know, led by the NFF and by the Australian Forest Products Association. Tell us, just for the uninitiated, tell us about COP. What is this big circus happening in yeah. Egypt next week? Yeah. So this is a slightly unusual uh, meeting. So the, the COP actually stands for Council of the Parties and it's uh, various, you know, it's the UN uh, FCCC effectively meeting with various other um, NGOs and 
governments around the world uh, to kind of discuss and agree progress on the Paris Agreement, basically how are we going to uh, meet our objectives to keep warming to 1.5 degrees or below. Um, this is being described as an implementation COP rather than a decision-making COP. So that means that really there's going to be a, quite a lot of what's called stock-taking around how different countries are progressing, where people are at, seeking advice constructively about how we can further pursue um, and, and you know meet our goals together. Um, so it'll be an interesting it'll be an interesting session and. I think for Australia, it's particularly interesting. I think, you know, I was on a briefing yesterday with Minister Bowen and his team, and he was very clear that he wanted to signal to the world that Australia is there to be a constructive and, and, and meaningful player in these discussions. So that's that's fantastic. Um, so, so I think it's going to be really interesting and, and, and very interesting to see some of the issues that are kind of top of line. So I know for a fact that the issue of loss and damage, so how does... Uh, you know, climate finance get directed to those companies, uh, countries, particularly, you know, for, of relevance to us, the Pacific, which is very much at the front line of climate change and how we will we support them. Um, I think one of the other questions is, you know, for loss and damage where the onset will be slower and less visible over time, you know, what does the, you know, the global community do to prepare for that? Um, so yeah, I think there's there's going to be lots of really interesting interesting angles, but but it is as I said, it's not a decision making cop. It is really about let's take stock of where we are and what needs to happen to continue on our journey. And from what you said there, there's I mean there's so much in this climate change space and so many different stakeholders and interests coming together at a big meeting like COP, which will have, as I understand it, tens of thousands of people there. Where does agriculture fit into that, and why is it important that you know people like yourself are going over there to give the industry a voice? It's so important, Charles, and I'm so thrilled that I'm going along with, you know, AFPA and the NFF and various other industry leaders because food systems, food and fibre systems and forestry systems still are not playing um, nearly enough of a role at COP as a sector that, you know, and land use generally as a sector that is worthy of, you know, pushing up the ladder of a meaningful climate solution. And we really have a big job ahead of us to to as a country which with with you know such an enormous landmass and opportunity to kind of raise the profile of agriculture food and fiber systems up the ladder to say we are well positioned to be a major climate player uh, we need investment to understand what do we need to do to transform our landmass and our systems, our uh, environmental systems and agricultural systems into uh, mechanisms that we can use to, to, to draw down carbon, reduce nature loss and, and support the, the kind of global effort to, to mitigate and adapt to climate change. And so can you give us a sense of, you know, where, what's our delegation, nine or so people heading into this forum of tens of thousands of people, what's it going to look like in practice? How What are we actually going to do over there to get that yeah. message across? Great question. So our big day is the 12th of November, which is Agriculture and Adaptation Day. Um, so we'll have a session at 10 o'clock in the morning um, at the International Chamber of Commerce, and it will be myself, uh, Afpa, um, Diana, um, the chair, we'll have Fiona from the NFF, uh, we'll have um, Mark, from Jigsaw Farms and uh, Sam from Sea Forest, all talking about the various innovations that Australia is exploring at different levels. So literally on farm, uh, you know, how are we using technology and then our project, which is how are we trying to develop a systemic solution based in, you know, data and evidence and research to, 
you know, prepare Australia and position Australia potentially as a world leader in agriculture as part of a climate solution. So that, that'll be in the morning. And then a few of us will appear on a panel that afternoon up at the Australian Pavilion, uh, hosted by the Department of Agriculture, Forests and Fisheries, which we're very much looking forward to. And that's a slightly different focus. That will be about um, how do we kind of walk and chew gum on this issue of producing food and fibre while at the same time protecting nature and, and reducing emissions. And that's a subject that I'm really passionate about because farming for the future's, you know, underlying thesis is that we can produce fibre and food and meet our global and, and domestic commitments around that, but also maintain, uh, you know, do this in a nature positive, climate resilient way. You know, those two things are not mutually exclusive. Land can remain in production and we can deliver fantastic environmental outcomes. So that's really going to be the kind of thrust of my talk that afternoon. And I think that's so important at the moment, isn't it? When you look at some of the approaches that are being taken in places like Europe and Canada and even New Zealand, where you're seeing some of these restrictions brought in, which are kind yeah. of driving down production at a time when, you know, there have never been more hungry people in the world. Exactly right. And I think Australia can be a model for how we can do this, you know, and I think um, that's what's so exciting, I think, about our, our conversation that afternoon. And I think to to you know, the other point that I think there's been a lot of discussion about farmers need to needing to turn to other sort of revenue opportunities in sort of biodiversity markets and carbon markets. But what we're, you know, we're really excited about talking about is the fact that actually we think there's undiscovered potential within production systems, just on farm income by incorporating natural capital that can also lead to double dividends for, for, for producers. So, maintaining you know the, the the focus on our core business as as producers who need to produce food and fiber and and building resilience into those systems which then will also help them optimize those other you know take take advantage of those other you know um stacked opportunities i guess for revenue is is really where we think um the opportunity lies for us mm. and so and the answer to this question is probably there in what you've just been saying, but if you could leave attendees at COP with one message from Australia, from, from our delegation, what would it be? I really would like uh, Minister Bowen in particular and, and um, well, all the ministers, you know, so Minister Plibersek, Minister Watt and Minister Bowen to really start thinking about and investing in um, agriculture and landscapes as part of the climate change conversation globally. We have a massive opportunity. And, and I think um, I am a little bit concerned about the fact that we do focus so heavily still just on energy um, and, and emissions reduction per se, but there is this bigger kind of, you know, burning platform coming down the line around nature. And I think who better placed than producers to kind of take this opportunity by the horns. So my my call to action to them is, you know, look at the work we're trying to do together as an industry and, and philanthropy and NGOs working together and invest in the in the potential that could be really a, a, an example of world leadership for, for, for Australia. That's a great, great message. Let's hope they hear it loud and clear. So for those of us like me left back here in Australia next week, how do we keep in touch with what you guys will be up to over in Egypt? So I think there's the Farm and Forestry Delegation website, uh, which no doubt the National Farmers Federation will include in a link in the week, weekly wrap. <laughs> so I'm not going to try to remember the, um, the, um, the address there. But I think we've all been um, sort of tasked with the job of sort of blogging and sort of sending videos. So keep an eye out on social media. 
uh, read the paper. I think there'll be lots of news, um, but I think you know that that delegation website will be the the best uh, best place to start. Absolutely. Well, we might have to get you back on the weekly wrap once you're back on home turf and get, do a bit of a debrief on how things Sounds went. Sounds great. Sounds great, Charles. Thanks. Michelle, thanks so much for joining us on the Weekly Wrap and for your time and good luck next week. I hope it all goes smoothly. Thank you. Look forward to connecting soon. Thank you for listening to this Weekly Wrap Up from the National Farmers Federation. For more information about the NFF, visit nff.org.au. Otherwise, stay tuned until next week for the next instalment.